Okay. Hi, I'm Diane Worthington from Women Beyond a Certain Age, and I am so happy to be here today with an extraordinary guest that I just am thrilled that I got to meet today. Her name is Ina Pinckney. Welcome, Ina. She's certainly a big celeb in Chicago. Well, I want to be a big celeb on women of a certain age. Well, honey, you're here, and you are. Well, thank you. (laughs) Three icons. Yeah, three icons. Oh, that could be a new That's a new one. We could make that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with Ina, she's got an really an amazing career that I want to chat with you about today. I guess one of my first questions is, how important was food in your life growing up? That's really an extraordinary story because I grew up in a kosher home and I didn't know what salt was until I was 20. Wait, they have kosher salt? (laughs) No, just salt. Yeah. So um, (laughs) we were four people in the family. I have a younger brother. Uh And my mom, would, uh, who hated to cook, by the way, would make broiled meat and a lot of canned vegetables. Oh, my God, my mother and they were sisters, apparently. (laughs) Obviously. So we're connected. So the only green thing I ever saw that was fresh was iceberg lettuce. Mm-hmm. And that was a wedge salad. Yeah. And then she mixed ketchup and mayonnaise together to make kind of a Russian dressing. And that was the only fresh green thing I ever saw in my house. Wait, oh, fresh green things. See, we had a pantry that had uh, canned, canned veg- peas. We did too. Canned everything. Canned. Franco-American spaghetti. Oh, no, we were kosher. We couldn't do anything oh. that wasn't marked OU. That had to oh, be the, yeah. yeah. And well, Duncan Hines cake mixes were uh, kosher in those days. Oh, that's interesting. And so my mother would make the Duncan Hines Oh, you were lucky. My mother made one dessert, I remember, a pineapple upside-down cake from a Jell-O box. Oh, God. What can I say to you? I think we are kindred in that we mm -mm. cared about food, and we weren't getting what we wanted. But I had an Aunt Susie, and I went to her house, and she did not keep kosher, and she cooked like crazy. Uh, And the first time I ever had lasagna, and it had meat and cheese in it, and I didn't die, I thought... (laughs) Okay, there's a world out here. Exactly. I remember being eight years old and going to school clothes shopping in August um, down to S. Klein on 14th Street. And we stopped at a Woolworths counter. My mother ordered a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. We (gasps) ate non-kosher out, but our house was kosher. And I, I took one bite of this and I went, what is this? And she said, it's bacon. And she explained what bacon was. And I said, what else are they keeping from us? (laughs) And I knew then that there was more to life than uh, broiled meat and canned vegetables. Did you ever have rump roast? I don't know. I don't know what she made. That was what it was. It was mystery meat. It was mystery meat. I don't know. Yeah. So so food, I didn't get to understand food till I was 22. I got married, uh moved out and into the city. And um, all of a sudden... We're talking about New York City. New York City. I was living in the East Village in the old days. And it was amazing to walk to the corner and have pierogies because it was a very big Ukrainian area Mm -hmm. at that time. And then to go out and eat food that I had never seen before and go to Le Pavillon on 57th Street and to go out with friends and be... We were the first breakfast brunch at the world trade at the uh, towers the twin towers i mean we would i was friends we would just eat and i would go i I can't believe this this is so great so it was like you were reborn i was reborn and i started to cook now i was not a great cook because i don't have the freedom of you know it needs a little mm, or Mm -hmm. uh, the time would add mm, 
I don't have any of that. Really? But none of that. But I, I could follow a recipe, which okay. is good enough for a cook, but not great, not for a great cook. So that was kind of interesting. And it wasn't until I was 37 years old that I baked my first cake. And then everything fell into place because I have that kind of a mind. A tablespoon is a tablespoon. Everything is exact. The chemistry is exact. I loved baking. So that first you cake... You like the exactitude of what... Exactly. It, I didn't have the freewheelingness of because like... Because that wasn't little, your strength. No. How interesting no. that you figured out that the baking was, was your... It at 37. At 37 years And the of way age. I what found it... Doing? Well, Oh, what were you doing? Oh, yeah. So here I have to admit all of my truth. Okay. <laughs> so I had 21 jobs in my life, and I was fired from 19 of them. Oh, my God. That is I'm very quite proud. a record. I'm very Diana. proud. I learned something every step of the way. I had every kind of job imaginable. I worked at customer service at Revlon Cosmetics. I ran uh, a, a toy showroom. I worked at a barter company. Um, and it was... It was fascinating because I could never fit the corporate culture. Right. Uh, my departments ran better than anybody else's. I knew what I was doing and they were going, no, nah, you don't fit in so good over here. Right. And I went, then I don't want to be here. And they would go, oh, that's good. That's what we had in mind. <laughs> so I was out all the time. I was always gone. Yeah. And I was up on the roof deck of my building in Chicago. We had moved there. My husband had taken a job and, and we moved there. And I had stepped on a piece of newspaper that had a balloon delivery service ad. And I thought to myself, you know, for your birthday, people send you strippers, they send you singing telegrams, right. and they send you balloons. This is 1980. Nobody sends you a cake. Why don't they send you a cake? And I mentioned it to some neighbors in the building, and they all went, what a great idea. And so I said, well, what if a tuxedoed butler brought you the cake, and there was a sparkler on it, and then instead of writing on the cake, a parchment scroll that said, happy birthday, Diane. We think you're the best friend we ever had. And they all went, oh, that is so nice. And I went down to my apartment, and I started to write down all the things I thought I needed to do to make that happen. Right. And I was reading the New York Times Magazine section, and Craig Claiborne had a cake in there that had no flour. And I went, what, what is this cake? And I would read, the tr I read it a few times, and I went, oh, my God, I would eat this cake right now if it was sitting here. And the phone rang. Hi, Ina. My name is Diane. I live in the building. I was upstairs. I heard what you said. I got your number from the doorman, and I'd like to order your service for Friday. Oh, my God. I love this story. And the next day, I was starting my job at a plastics company. Turned out to, <laughs> turned out to be the last job I ever had. And then I said, okay. So I, I said, Diane, okay. Because every entrepreneur says yes. And then they figure it out. Right. So I look at the recipe, and I had some chocolate in the house eating. And I started to make this cake. Now, I had never, ever separated an egg. I had never beaten an egg white. I had never melted chocolate. It did not work. Fearless. It did not work. You were fearless, but you I, had fearless and failure. Well, I had no idea, yeah. and failure was perfect. So I went to the store, yeah. and I bought enough ingredients for three cakes. And I went, this is it. I don't do it by this last cake. I have to go out and buy one of those horrible layer cakes with Kirschwasser and horrible oh, buttercream. Yeah. That was all you could find in bakeries in right. those days, especially right. in Chicago. So I make the cake, and by the third one, I did it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I just learned something. If you can read, you can bake. And I went, okay. So I started my new job Monday that's morning. That's, by the way, for your next book, that's your title. If you can read, you can bake. You got it. That's a good one. Yeah. So I, 
the husband, the husband, fabulous former husband, FFH, he has a hashtag, and he puts on a tuxedo. He does beautiful calligraphy. He did the calligraphy. Oh he goes downtown to a law firm on LaSalle in the loop, delivers the cake, da, 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 comes home. I come home from work. How was it? He goes, I think it went really well. Phone rings. Ina, this is Diane. Diane, you know you were the first. You have to tell me everything good, everything bad. She said, it was fabulous, it was exciting, it was, it was a surprise, it was quick, it didn't embarrass anybody, no stupid balloons to take home on the bus. We <laughs> ate the cake completely, which was delicious, and then the guy had the scroll to take home to his wife to show, him, show her what happened that day. Oh. I said, those were all great things, what do I need to change? And she said, oh, you need to charge more. So it's 1980, and it was $25, which was a lot of money. That is. That, that second, it went to 35 And the first time someone called me, that word spread like wildfire. And someone called me and said, I was at a thing where they had a... Yeah. And um, I, so 35 that's great. How much is it with the cake? 45 I said. <laughs> it just keeps it going ju up. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then a guy called, and he said, what else do you do? And I said, what else do you want? <laughs> And he said, I want a cake like my grandma made. Very soft crumb, cinnamon brown sugar, some pecans in the middle and on top. Yeah, yeah. And Sour I knew exactly yeah. what he was talking about. I had collected recipes all my life. I just never made them. <laughs> and I go back into my file, and I had worked for a film distribution company, and a guy brought it, and his wife made it. I said, can I have the recipe? And I dig through, and there it is on lined paper, typewritten, yellowing. And yeah. I knew, reading it, that was the cake. Yeah. Until the last day of my restaurant operation, that cake was on the counter. Well, yeah. how did you more... Okay, so we've got the cake. So so I have this cake, yeah. and I have this, the service. Right, you have the service. And now I'm baking a lot of cakes. And, and you're and, also doing the sour doing, cream one, too? No, only no. for people who knew. But I'm oh. now I'm doing it out of my home, which is illegal. Right. So you can't bake in a private a place for a public sale. So I go and I find a little storefront, right? and I'm, I'm going to teach myself how to bake. So I get this storefront, and by then the word had spread, and people were asking me for things that I needed to learn how to make. So you would call me, Ina, I got your name from Denise, and I hear you do really good desserts, and uh, I need something for Saturday night. Well, Diane, what are you making? Uh, I'm going to make a rack of lamb. And I went, well, you need a frozen lemon mousse with fresh raspberry sauce. And you go... Yes, I do. <laughs> and I would go to your house and get your bowl. Oh, my And I God. would fill the bowl with the frozen mousse, and I would decorate it. And then we'd frozen salad. We'd bring it back to you and put it in your yeah. freezer. Oh, and wow. so I was learning everything I needed to know about On this. And feet. eating yeah. breakfast out every day with the FFH because that was the only time I could see him. I didn't know what was going to happen when I got into this little bakery thing that I made. Right, right. And in the 80s, breakfast was insipid. Everything was, yeah. was awful. You know, you'd order hash browns and you say, well done, please. And yes, so they were burned on the outside and they were still White. raw on the inside. Yeah. Um, the bread was commercial and it was just disgraceful. Yeah. Eggs you could manage somehow and all. But, and, so, and the coffee was insipid. Oh, my God, the coffee. Oh, people leave the coffee. And, I mean. So here you have a, a, a cup of coffee. And you get it to where it's bearable. So a little sugar, a little cream, a little sugar, a little, and you go, I, maybe I can do with this. Yeah. And the minute you get it like that, somebody comes by with this bun thing that's been burned to a crisp. Oh, God, the bun and they, you want me to You want me to heat it up, honey? Want a little warm-up, <laughs> honey? And if you say yes, 
it screws up the coffee for the rest of the right. meal. And if you say no, you never see her again in this life. <laughs> and so there was no way. Yeah. So one day in the ninth year of eating out, and we would have to choose where we were going, a big line uh, uh, on the back door of the house, a list of where we could have breakfast, and we had to choose what we wanted to eat before we went because not everybody had everything good. Right. So I think I'm in the mood for pancakes today, two places. Think I'm in the mood for French toast. Oh, th- that one. Yeah. A really good omelet. Let's meet over there. And then I'd go to work, and who knows what time I would get out. Yeah. And I finally said somewhere, I said, Bill, why can't anybody make a decent breakfast? And he said, so let me get this straight. Every day you go to that place and you play with butterflower sugar and eggs. What are we eating? <laughs> I said, okay, we're eating butterflower sugar and eggs. I said, I'm going to make a breakfast restaurant like nobody has ever seen. And he said, I think that's a good idea. And so every day I would bake and I would picture this restaurant and I would picture you in it. Yeah. What kind of an experience that I want you to have walking through the door, being greeted warmly, sit down where there was tablecloth, a thermal pot of great coffee, only half and half on the table, mm. fuck 2%. And then <laughs> I would uh, say everything was going to be about you. And I wanted flavors that nobody had. Mm-hmm. 1982, I wanted people to eat food that was delicious and exciting and challenging and perfect. What was the name of this breakfast spot? Ina's Kitchen. Ina's Kitchen. Ina's Kitchen. So you opened, what was opening day like? Oh, because I had 11 years of baking for people, there was a line around the block. Oh my God, that's so A line around the block when they heard I was opening. The other way I raised money is that I sold Ina Bucks. You were an old customer. I'd say to you, Diane, you give me $10 cash, and I'll give you 10 Ina bucks, 11 Ina bucks. You get 10% return on your investment. Uh, and everybody smart. gave me money, and I had enough money to open a restaurant. Some people gave me $10. Some people gave me thousands. And most people never cashed them in. Oh, that, that, that was the first so crowdfunding. You, Ina. That was the first Kickstarter crowdfunding thing. Oh, I didn't even wow, know you what were ahead I was of your do- time. Way ahead of my time. Way ahead of your time. Okay, so now we're at this fabulous breakfast spot. Are you creating new ideas all the time? Are you having classic dishes that you have created and are selling? Um, are, you, are you trying to be on trend, or are you trying to just make it the best damn breakfast place? Uh, I was dancing as fast as I could. Yeah. And so before I started, I knew the things that I wanted that I had never seen before. And I bought Marion Cunningham's book called The Breakfast. Oh, of course. Breakfast. Heavenly Hots. And that's where they came from. And I called Marion and yeah. I said, I want these pancakes in my restaurant. May I use your recipe? And may I call them what you call them, the Heavenly Hots? And she said, I could not be prouder. So it was like that. I also knew um, that I wanted some kind of And a you know that she had a breakfast oh, restaurant yes. in Berkeley. Yes. I went and had the Heavenly Hots The Heavenly there. Hots yeah. there. Yeah. So I knew I wanted a frittata, a baked egg dish. And I knew I wanted a... I just knew... Yeah, you knew the, what the, you wanted the, right. on the menu. And Scrapple. The idea of Scrapple I loved, but I hated the dish. It's Pennsylvania Dutch. It's gray. It's funky. I didn't want it, but mm-hmm. I loved that it was a life-saving dish on the farm. Mm-hmm. They would slaughter a pig. They would take the scraps from mm-hmm. the slaughter, mix it with cornmeal and spices. They would loaf it, put it in the root cellar, because on a farm, 
if it's a particularly long winter, they run out of protein sources, but they still had this loaf of stuff with protein. So I love that it was life-saving. I just hated the dish. Yeah. So I said, so why you... can't I put some black beans and corn and cheddar cheese in there mm -hmm. instead of all of that other stuff? So Scrapple it. was a really, um, a really good dish. Everything on my menu was vegetarian, but I never said it. You had to add meat to the plate. I loved, by the way, your vegetarian, your, your, because it was vegetarian, yeah. your hash. Yes, the vegetable, vegetable hash. hash. We put Brussels sprouts. People were pushing them away. Yeah. You know, they didn't yeah. even know what they were eating. They only knew they loved the flavor of cumin yeah. and garlic and Tabasco. Yeah. So we really moved everything up. How long did you have the restaurant? Uh, 22 years. Oh, my goodness. I but know. didn't you do another restaurant as well? Well, was... we moved. The landlord wouldn't renew the lease, so yeah. we moved downtown. And then I had a really bad business partnership yeah. because, by the way, business partnerships are marriages that are not based on love. And when they're bad, they're really bad. Oh, so I, I said bye-bye. And yeah. it took me four year, four months, actually, to get my name off the liquor license. So I, in case she went under in a, in a yeah, flaming right. mess, and she did, yourself. I protected yeah. myself. And then I opened up in the West Loop in Chicago, which was no man's land. Yeah. It was on the other side of the loop. It was all um, people who were in produce. Um, and it mm -hmm. was a low profile because they, it started out with, with push carts, then stalls. And the stalls became one- and two-story buildings because oh, people couldn't schlep the 50-pound bags of potatoes up the rickety ladders to three stories. I see. So all the buildings were low profile. Uh -huh. And I, I would go down there and buy, you know, a case of eggs and things like that. Yeah. And then there were only a few people on that street. There was Blackbird, which was way oh, back. There was an Italian sub place. There was... Oprah, there was Ina, and then there was Michael Jordan's restaurant at the other end. Oh, right. That the was stage. it. Yeah. Now you can't you can't even afford the rents there because that was it. People thought I was nuts. And people would say to me, where are you going to move? And I'm going, I'm going to West Randolph Street. And they go, oh, really? And I'd say, I have free parking. And they go, we'll be there. Mm. Right. People free are, parking people is are, major. People are whores. So... <laughs> so I was there in that location for 13 years. And then you had had enough. You know, when you do something as well as you know how, when it's over, it's over. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. If I could have stayed another couple of years, I would have made a gazillion dollars on selling the property. Yeah. But I was running out of steam. I yeah. had polio as a baby, and I was having a lot of post-polio issues, and walking was very difficult. And I thought, I have to have some kind of a life after this. And so... I have to end this, but I ended it in a way that was elegant and thoughtful and loving, and we announced a four-month closing. Oh, that and, was wonderful to and do that. I so was, everybody could say Everybody could goodbye. come in, the children yeah. especially. I wanted yeah. to be sure there was transition for the children. So now you brought me right up until the moment I closed my iconic restaurant. Uh, well, that... And six how years long, ago. Six years ago. This New Year's Eve. Yeah. And so what's cooking since then, Ina? Oh, just a few things. Like? So um, here's what I say. I self-published a cookbook. By which, the way, is this available? Yes, on um, everywhere, anywhere you buy it. Ina's Kitchen. Okay, you have to. Okay, so last night before I was interviewing you, I read the entire book from cover to cover. It was <laughs> so much fun. I, had, I felt like I was There's hanging out There's a lot of stories in there, yeah. Wonderful stories, wonderful recipes if you're a breakfast person. I urge you to take a look at this. And Don't forget to, the picture of me in the 60s when I was really you hot. You looked hot and happening, okay, honey. Thank you. Don't forget that. I mean, that. seriously. I'm so proud of that picture. Yeah, I don't okay. blame you. Thank I would you be very too. Much. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, so yes, so you published the I, book. And I self-published the book and sold 6,500 copies self-published, and then a publisher picked it up and reprinted it, so that was very nice, number very one. Nice. A documentary was made of the last 31 days of Ina's. Oh, where can we find the documentary? Amazon. Prime. Bre and Vimeo. And No, it's not on Prime yet. It's still two ninety I'm sorry, but I am worth it. I, uh, more breakfast. Than two, she's definitely worth more than two ninety nine. Breakfast at Ina's, and it's a very interesting. Oh, I love it. Um, it's it's really quite beautifully done, and t it says a lot about my life outside the restaurant and my life inside the restaurant, mm -hmm. and what it's like to take control of your life and to end things when you need to end them. And so that's a really great thing. I was not pushed out in any way. Yeah. I did it because it you was time it to do terms. it. You did on your terms. And then I write a column called Breakfast with Ina for the Chicago Tribune. That's once a month. And then I got hired by many companies to go to food conferences and speak about breakfast. And the most important part of all that is I get to eat breakfast now. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Oh, my God. Well, so I've had a really good uh, six years, a really good five years I, I what I think is really interesting is that you you morph into different things yes and you do it it sounds like it probably wasn't completely but kind of with an ease of only entrepreneurs know how to do that well it's a, it's a thing you know it, it's, it's a, a fearless kind of thing where you're gonna figure it out yes absolutely you know, I, you don't I knew, know how to do it you're gonna figure it out I knew by the time that I was six that I was going to have to forge my own path. Um, I was disabled, I couldn't play and run and jump with the kids. Mm -hmm. Kids were very um, mean. I was marginalized, ostracized, bullied, and I knew I would never do that to another person. So I already knew about my kindness. Yeah. I also um, knew that they, were, they told me I was going to the hospital. And at six, I had only heard so adults heard talk about people going to the hospital to die because 1949 you didn't go to get better yeah. so I thought they were taking me to die and when I woke up I thought they made a mistake and I realized that I had a second chance and so everybody in my life always got a second chance but I also knew I was never going to be like anybody else and if I didn't figure out my own path then I was going to be relegated to a path someone else chose for me I have to say that the advice I don't know that you realize that you're giving this, but it's advice for all of us to think about. Last question for you is, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what would it be? Um, I think life is like baking a cake. It's raw for a really long time. And it's perfectly baked for a short time and it's overbaked forever. So stay awake, stay alert, figure out when something is perfectly baked and go for it. What a perfect way to end our chat today. You are a treasure. Thank you for inviting me to share. I thank you so much for sharing your experience and how you got to where you are and you're still going. And I just have to tell you that it's a, a serious treat and just a pleasure thank you to have Diane. spent some time with you today um anybody that is interested if you want to contact you can always go to women beyond a certain age at icloud.com but you can also go to our women beyond a certain age facebook group or facebook page if you want to 
see what's cooking with us. And thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.